0: This morning there are two Bible readings, the first one is from Romans chapter 12 commencing at verse 9, marks of a true Christian, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honour, do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord the second reading is from Matthew chapter 9 commencing at verse 35 then Jesus went about all the citizens cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease And every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send our labourers into his harvest. This is the word of the Lord.
1: I'd love to share a story with you. Um, There once was a little town, looked a little bit like this. It lived. It was in a valley, and on each side there was mountains. And on the mountaintop there was a Muslim mosque, and on the other side of the mountain there was a Christian church. Okay, now I don't don't know if anyone's travelled to a Muslim country or anything before, but they love a prayer call in the morning, really loud, five in the morning, (laughs) as loud as you can get. It is blasting, and uh, and. If you ever live in a space that, you know, there's multiple mosques around you, you get blasted from multiple directions and it's very hard to sleep. Anyway, this little village was getting blasted from this 5 a.m. prayer call from the Muslim mosque. And, uh, you know, some of the Christians that were living in that That little town, they got a little bit annoyed. Thought maybe we'll fight fire with fire, and so they put up a big PA system on top of their church at the top of the hill. And so five o'clock in the morning, those poor citizens were getting blasted by the Muslim prayer call and Christian sermons from the vicar and uh, and worship music. You you name it. No wonder why so many people hate religion, right? And these poor people in the in this little town, and they were just getting blasted every morning, and they're getting quite frustrated. Anyway, there was a night and there was a big storm and in this storm there's a lightning bolt and it hit the top of the Muslim mosque and the speakers and it blew up the whole PA system. And uh, the next morning the Christians thinking, oh goody, <laughs> here we go, we can finally blast our sermons and, and they were so excited about it. Anyway, it, was, it got to this point where uh, in the morning you know, the, the pastor and the, the congregation were so, so excited. They thought, thank God, he's actually delivered for us. And, uh, and then they just thought for a minute, they thought... Isn't there something in the Word about you know, loving your neighbor or you know, blessing those who curse you? And ah, oh. Anyway, the, the good old Christian guilts. You know the Christian guilts? They got that anyway. So they end up pulling down their whole PA system, all their speakers, and went next door to the mosque. And they knocked on the front door. They'd never communicated before. They'd never spoken. They said, we felt the Lord say, and we need to love our neighbors. And we heard what happened to you. We're sorry to hear. Here's our PA system and our speakers. Go uh, go with you. Through that one action, it created the most beautiful connection you could ever imagine. They had a friendship going. They were able to share the gospel message. They're actually able to share. Guess what? The people in the village below they heard about this. They heard the good news. They weren't hearing sermons blasted at them, thinking what happened. They heard the stories. They're probably grateful for that. And you know, they heard the stories too. Uh, this kind of love, isn't it? It's such an interesting and a powerful kind of love. So today, Paul is talking in Romans twelve nine. He said, let love be sincere. Um, how about you? I, I someone start wondering, when you hear things like this, you think, what was actually going on in the church in Rome to actually hear let love be sincere? What was going on? Well, Paul had never been to Rome at this point. He was wanting to go there on one of his next few journeys. He was actually, is around AD 57, 58, and he uh, these letter, this letter to Rome from Corinth. Um, so we know 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. He was staying the church of Corinth at the time, and we also know that was a bit of a scandalous church, wasn't it? It was a bit of a naughty church. They were, they had incest. Uh, there was lawsuits going on within the church. Sexual sexual idolatry was actually like a lot of people just brushing under the uh, under the carpet, it wasn't an issue. Uh, they were intermixing some faiths. That wasn't an issue for them. Um, some of them were even trying to sell communion. Can you imagine if, uh, you know, a vicar Randall today, after uh, handing out the, uh, you know, handing out the hosts and, you know, and it just asked for ten dollars or something on the side? <laughs> could you imagine that? You know, well, don't, I won't give you any ideas <laughs> um, But you know, could you imagine that? That's what was happening in the Church of Corinth, and I think Paul got to this point thinking man if this kind of hustle and bustle city in Corinth were doing some pretty wild things I imagine in Rome there's some pretty full-on things going a lot of new believers there uh, and so they'd reckon in the last five years there was a, a big uh, burst in the Roman church so he's writing to them to instruct them what a Christian life actually looks like and what it is to live with a genuine faith and to live with a sincere love so I don't know, if I say the word love, I guarantee any passage in, the, in, in all of the Bible, what, where does your mind go to? If I say love, anyone, think of anything. First passage I think of love, anywhere in the Bible, a chapter... Oh yeah, I like, yeah, absolutely. very good, yeah, absolutely. yep. Yeah, I love it. Yes. And I was thinking as well, like one Corinthians thirteen, like, you know, in the every wedding and stuff you go to, so well, yeah, there's so many, trust me, there's one hundred and ten passages in love, so you need know, it pretty well. But you know, yeah, we hear about love all the time, but it's interesting in the Church of Corinth, Paul had to write this whole section of his letter just dedicated to love, and it was interesting. it was about what love is and what love isn't, which is really, really interesting. When I think about the fruit of the Spirit, the very first fruit is love. Isn't that interesting? And we use this jargon, we use Christian jargon, don't we? I went to Bible college and you know, you, you're a professional being a Christian jargonist, you know. But you know, when we break down really what the fruit of the Spirit is, it just means evidence of God living in you. It's, God's not a tree, he doesn't have fruit, it's just the evidence of God being in your life. And the very first evidence is love. And then his joy and his patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. But interesting that the very first attribute you should be displaying as a believer after receiving God is this different kind of love. And Jesus took it to the next level. He said, actually, the world will know you're my disciples because of the way you love one another. If we went down here on Whitehorse Road after some of the cafes, we just asked some of the guys, said, hey, what do you think, uh, what do you think of Christians or what do you think of the church? Do you think they'll be, oh, you know, they're, they're the, that mob of loving people. They just love everyone. There's their love for one another. Do you reckon you'd get that? I reckon you'd probably get judgmental, hypocrites. I reckon, unfortunately, that's probably some of the words you'd get. But Jesus said they will know, the world will know us and how different we are by our love. Our love will look different. It's a sincere kind of love. Um, Jesus even said when you break down all of the Old Testament, all the law and all the prophets, it came down to the golden rule, right? The golden rule, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He had two commands in his golden rule, and they're both love, love towards God and love towards others. It's very important. King James Bible has the word love in it 110, oh, sorry, 310 times. There's a lot. And John, uh, in 1 John 3, he describes love like this. He said, if you see someone in need, and you have the means to help them, but you don't, then God's love isn't in you. He says it's a measuring stick to know your faith and where it's at, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Right? If you see someone in need and you have the means to help, I came back from India four weeks ago. In Australia, we definitely have the means to help, right? but do we help them? If we don't, he says the love of God is not Actually, in us, Randall and I, I've I've bailed up this poor bloke so many times in the hallway. We get into deep theological discussions, (laughs) and one of which is, you know, is this idea? And, like, we get people knocking on the door of St. Barnum's Church, don't we, throughout the week? And I'm sure on Sundays, you know, asking for money and for meals and everything else. And how do you navigate that space? It's very hard. What are they going to use it for? What's their story? How do, you know, I, I don't know. But then you read a passage like that, and you think it's our mandate. To do something, isn't it? We have to do something. We can't. It says we can't just send them off and you know and say, "Go okay, be warm and be filled and bless you in the name of Jesus." You know, you can't just do that. But we've got to do something. But the, the the advantage with Randall, he goes, he knows the people that are coming. He knows the story. He knows who's trying to pull one over here, you. know. Like a, a One guy came up to us in India and he came hobbling over like this and he was knocking on the door and asking for money and the guy was with us said, don't give him money, don't give him money. Everything within me was saying, I just want to give this bloke some money and then as soon as we didn't give him money, he walked away like this, he just walked away like this. So <laughs> he was putting it on, he was absolutely putting it on. So you need to know and be able to understand a little bit, right, but we've got to do something, we've got to do something to help. So that might be Sitting down, getting on their level. How many times you see Jesus said, um, you know, a beggar was down the dirt and he'd get down to the level, or the woman caught in adultery got down in the dust with her. He gets down on their level. I think having a conversation, being real, trying to help them, plug him into a service, many, many different ways to help. But I think we need to do something, don't we? And that's God will help you, He'll help you understand what to do. After that verse in John 3, uh, 18, he said, Little children, let us not love just in word or with lip service or tongue, he said, but in deed and in truth. And that's, uh, that's interesting, Indeed deed and in truth. I was going to name this sermon, um, Love is a Verb. Uh, have you heard that before, Love is a Verb? Yeah, it used to be a song by DC Talk, a bit of a... It's, it's a pretty bad song. but yeah. Anyway, Love is a Verb. I was almost going to title this sermon that. But it's more than a verb. That's what actually John's just saying. It's actually deed and in truth. And Jesus really emphasised this. In Matthew 7, he said, There will be many on that day, this is Judgment Day, will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? And didn't we do that in your name? But I will say to them, Depart from me, for I never knew you. Man, that's unreal. So it's more than just a verb. It's more than just a doing word, right? In 1 Corinthians 13, again, we go back to the classic passage of love. You speak in the tongue of angels. Wow, this glorious thing, there's a mystery around it, but wow, but you don't do it with love. It's just a noisy gong. If you uh, have faith to move a mountain, but you don't do it with a genuine, sincere, real love, it's not worth a thing. know all the mysteries of our faith, you can understand the scriptures through and through, but you don't have a genuine love about it. It's not worth a thing. And even you can surrender up your body as a martyr to be burned, and it's still not worth a thing, which is incredible. So if I haven't convinced you now that love's really important, (laughs) I hope this next passage will. When we think about God, indescribable. Who can who can get their head around God? No one. He is so amazing, and it's it's incredible when you go to the scriptures and you read describing terms about God, and it is quite. Mysterious, (laughs) mysterious <laughs> and so it should be it says god is spirit god is light in revelation 20 it says his radiant glory is that of a rare jewel jasper or clear crystal clear clear crystal <laughs> um it's using words saying so his spirit his light he's like a clear crystal wow that's hard to get your head around but then john comes in in, in 1 john 4 and he says god is Love. He puts that in the mix. Not that he enjoys love or thinks love's a good idea. or He created it. He actually is the embodiment of love. Wow. <laughs> no wonder why the first fruit of the Spirit is love, right? If God is love and he dwells in us, our very first attribute is going to be love. And no wonder why Jesus said the way someone's going to know how you're different you know, it's not like you're a Muslim, you know, you come to the faith, you put a head covering on or you put a special hat on. They know, you can clearly see if you're Sikh, you wear a turban. How does someone know if they're a Christian? You don't. They'll know by our love. It's a real, sincere, genuine kind of love. The golden rule that we need to love God and love others and we're getting up from him and John, loving in deed and in truth. And that's where Paul sort of lands around here. It's where he's saying, I need to teach you a little bit about sincere love. And he writes this passage the, the hallmarks of a true believer, what genuine love looks like. Um, so we come with this question and we think, how do we actually love in a genuine way? Like, how, how is this possible? Well, it says in the scriptures that we can only love because God first loved us. So this is actually the way we love. Sometimes we learn from our parents or from a caregiver or from in our family. We learn, but it's a broken kind of love, isn't it? It talks about that in in the word about um, uh, discipleship. I'm sorry, um, discipline. So our parents disciplined us in a way that seemed best to them. I think love's the same, that our parents loved us in a way that best seemed to them. But it's an earthly, carnal um, kind of love. But God's love we can only learn from him because he first loved us. And again, we go back to the golden rule that, you know, we love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind, our soul and our strength. And, uh, and then we just we receive, we give that to our neighbor. John fifteen five it says, If you abide in me, I will abide in you, and then you will bear much fruit. I run around like a headless chook so often, trying to do ministry and do this and do that. But I don't stop to abide in God. It says, From apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, I first need to stop, abide in God, and he abides, in me, and then bear much fruit. Also says in 1 John four sixteen that God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So it's very clear. We, we keep connecting, we keep going to him, and he comes to us. And so I break that down as this, simple up, down, out. <laughs> we go up to God, we receive what true love looks like, what authenticity looks like, down, we receive, we know that the Spirit's always praying on our behalf. God never changes, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that so we received love. We know who we are, we know our identities in Christ as a child of Christ. And then we give out. Freely, freely you've received, now freely, freely give. Go on my name, it's because you believe, others will know that I live. So you can see there like the like the fruit on the branches. We need to be connected. If that is severed, how does it grow? It doesn't. So let me have a little look. You're probably thinking, wow, we're like 20 minutes into this and he still hasn't even started. He's just in the first point. Don't worry. It's not going to go for three more hours. You'll be all right. <laughs> not to worry, okay? Um, I'm gonna, I want to set up what true love is. And, and I wanted you to really understand that there is a, a type of love that is fake. And this is what Paul actually says in the New American Standard Bible, and the English Standard Bible. He said, let love be with our, I can't say this word very well, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy? Yeah, that's it. Without being a hypocrite, the word in Greek for hypocrite talks about this idea of an actor, this kind of actor, a shifty actor you can imagine. He's got this mask, and it's actually almost this concept of a masked character. And so it said, let love be without an acting, fake, false, masked kind of nature. Let it be genuine and sincere. It's funny because straight after it says hate, hate what is evil. My mum used to always say, oh, hate's a very strong word. You shouldn't use that. And the truth is that when we love, (laughs) Randall understands, Um, when you you love something and you love the things of God, when you see what the the enemy has done in the world and you see the, the vileness of it, it really does put a sadness in your heart. And that's what it's talking about. I think also it's trying to bring about a non-hippie kind of love where it's embrace everything, everything's okay, universal love, yeah, 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 any religion, keep keep sinning, you can do whatever you want, we love you, we love you. It's no, this genuine kind of love is strong and it's firm and actually pushes back against things that aren't of God, holds fast to what is good in verse 9. Verse 10, that when we love one another with a mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Can you imagine if we weren't talking about our recent house renovations or the new car we got? If we're talking about how God has encouraged us in the week and what he's been doing and spurring each other on, as it says in the word, iron sharpening iron. Wouldn't that be great if we could get back to that? Verse 11, do not lag in zeal or be ardent or be, um, be excited in the spirit. Serve the Lord. How are you going with your excitement in the Lord? I loved reading about Caleb and Joshua. Caleb was an old man. It talks about in Joshua. He was an old man, and he was so fervent for the Lord. He was so excited about God. He wanted to go in and, and take Cain and take back the promised land when all the young bucks didn't want to. And he was amazing. I love seeing that spirit of God, that he had such a young heart. He would have served God to his dying breath, and he did. It was so exciting. How's your, how's your excitement? How's your, your excitement for God going? Uh, verse 11 um, Oh, sorry, that was verse, verse twelve. I rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, and persevere in prayer. Um, I'm sure someone right here is going through some sort of heartache right now, and that verse is something for you. Um, we, we sung about this earlier. We the Hallelujah for that day when we're going to stand before God. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. We stand in the victory of the King. He makes every wrong right. He is the the true and just God. That is going to be so exciting. (laughs) See, we hold on to that hope. We're patient in the suffering and we persevere in prayer because that is what we got to hold on to. We don't be a warrior. We become a prayer warrior. Uh, Verse 13, we contribute to the needs of the saints and we extend hospitality to strangers. Now, I don't know about you, but all the years I've spent in church, contributing to the needs of the saints. I think we do that pretty well. I think we do church community really well. Last night, the trivia sounded great. The fact that you're here this morning, bravo. Well done for getting up. Thank you. (laughs) That's great. Um, But extending hospitality to strangers is a hard one. Um, I got married to my wife, my beautiful wife, Beck, almost married for six years now. and She apologized she can't be here today. But I just thought we we're just going to invite homeless people in the back room. and stra- I just had that concept. I thought that's what we're going to do, right? And <laughs> she had very strict, firm rules that that wasn't what was going to happen. <laughs> and anyway, we're having that conversation about how do we, in fact, extend hospitality to strangers you know, in, in our modern context. I don't know. It's a, it's a really good question. When you work it out, let me know. It would be great. <laughs> Verse 14, bless those who persecute you and bless them and do not curse them. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. When I came to Christ, um, I was around about 17, 18, and I had a huge transformation. It took a while. I had my feet in both camps for a while. I did. But um, it was a big change. And I started, I, I'm from Adelaide and Rundle Mall, sort of like your Burke Street or your Swanson Street. And I'd go down there on Thursdays and Fridays and I'd preach the word and I'd hand out gospel tracts. My heart was in the right place. But I, I think everyone, I was a bit like that town at the start of the, you know, the, the message. I you was know, just getting blasting everyone. I think they got a bit sick of me. But I found God sort of led me into listening. People don't know People don't care what you know until they know that you care. And I've found that to be so true. Until you listen and the ministry of listening and loving, I feel like there's really hard to speak into someone's life. And I'd start going long run and all and just... Just listening to people. Ask people, what, what's going on in your life? Can you just share with me some stories of what's going on? And they just pour out their heart. And through that, it was just the ministry of listening and loving. I got to share so much more of the gospel and got to, yeah, so many more in, inlets to people's lives. So that was a really big thing. But this last bit, verse 16, I really want to um, highlight. So live in harmony with others, uh, with one another. But do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. So just that little bit there. Um, the The thing is... To lie with dogs but not get fleas, right, <laughs> you know, is the, the challenge is, is to associate with a lowly but not get caught up in it. That is, that is a real challenge. Um, to be the influencer. The scriptures talk about being a little bit of yeast that works for a whole batch of dough. Now, that can work both ways. You can go and be swept up in it all or you can go and be the influencer which is uh, the real challenge. So I'm just going to come into land in this last little bit. And this is the other passage um, uh, the lady before read out so well. Thank you for that. Um, Matthew 9, 3, 35 to 38. When Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing diseases and every sickness, this bit, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. We sung about that earlier too. We had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were lost and lonely. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And this picture we really connect to. If you can see that, it's a bunch of sheep just wandering around. You know, we get that image. I don't know if we get this image. This is, if you, just in case you can't see it, this is a bunch of blokes laying in their vomit after they've been drinking all night, food's everywhere, beers all over the table, one guy's passed out over the couch. We don't get that image with this passage. When he saw them, if you can look at those guys on that screen, when you see them, do you have compassion for them? They're harassed, they're helpless. They are sheep without a shepherd. What's their story? What's that bloke's story that's upside down on the couch? What's happening to him? We don't say what's wrong with you. We say what happened to you. And generally sin and living in a sin environment is what happened to them. After that, it says, Jesus said, He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. I used to always think this passage meant it's purely about. There was a bunch of people that were ready to do the salvation prayer, put up the hand. You know, the hearts is plentiful. Ready, I'm just got to find these people that want to give their hearts to the Lord. Actually, in the context, he's talking about harassed, helpless, lost, lonely, confused people that need the love of Jesus. That's what he's talking about, which really, really uh, surprised me. I'm going to put this image up, and maybe a little bit confronting. There's a few images here. There's a, a woman that's uh, beside a bed table. Um, Perhaps looking after a loved one, who knows what happened there. There's a a fella underneath, tattooed on his arm, life sucks. Tattoos all over his face, a girl smoking, trying to mask the pain. There's a gentleman that's dressed up as a woman, as a drag queen. Everyone there is trying to hide behind something. They're trying to deal with something. They're trying to, they're lost, they're lonely, they're helped, they're harassed. And we need to have compassion, and it's the hardest thing it is so hard. It's, it is so hard to be out there on a, on a Friday night or Saturday night to see people that are lost or confused. Or It's hard to be around that, but we're called to be that, to go to them. And that is such a challenge, such a challenge. These guys, these people really need, it says, the kindness of God leads them to repentance. They need that loving, listening ministry, someone that's going to come alongside and love and love them into the kingdom. There's, um, I saw this quick story I'll just share real quickly on, about the LGB, so the, the um, gay transgender community, and it's called changed. and there was a bunch of people being lived as uh, bisexuals and, and had operations and all sorts of people on the spectrum of that world, and they said if 30 years earlier when my dad walked out or when I got sexually abused or whatever, if I had a Christian in my life to show me the love of Jesus, I would have not gone on this journey into this camp, into this world. That was amazing to hear that. There's about 30 or 40 of them all sharing their testimony hearing that. Wow, to come along someone, alongside someone that's hurting, lost, confused, lonely, that is a huge call. I went to a group on Thursday called Tomorrow Men. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a, uh, they run at RSLs. It's blokes that just need to talk about stuff in their life because they feel they've got no one. In this group, there's about 50, 60 guys in this r- uh, room. Some have come from Bendigo, other rural villages, uh, rural towns, <laughs> um, all around the area. They came to Upway. Um, Some have driven an hour, two hours just to be there just so they could talk because they don't feel like there's anyone in their life to talk to. A number of them have tried committing suicide. Um, when they did a thing, stand up if you feel depressed or lonely, about half the group stood up when they said, these are blokes. This is hard to, we don't, we don't <laughs> really talk about our feelings, you know. To stand up, older fellas to say, I'm depressed and lonely. I've tried taking my life. There are so many people that are hurting and just need the love of a saviour. And it's so important. So what I want to ask you guys, I just want to ask you, St. Barnabas Church, what can you do? What have you got in your hand? What is a thing that God could use? Do you like tennis? Could you join a tennis club or bowl? Or um, is there a sporting group you could join? Or, like I said before, maybe there's an arts or a craft group. You're willing to start here. We could bring some people in. Like, what can we do? Like, what is something that God could challenge you about? I want to... Uh, my last little prop and then I'm going to sit down this is eternity <laughs> okay this i know some of you might have seen this before i don't know maybe this little white bit on the end this tip this is your life this is where it started your birthday all those years ago that wonderful beautiful day And then since then, you know, your teen years, you know, let's try and let's quickly pass over them, right? (laughs) Young adult years, you know. I don't know where you're at in this. I don't know. Some of us are earlier on the spectrum. Some of us perhaps towards the end. Who knows? We really don't know. But then after that, everyone, everyone is going to get to this point. Death, D-Day, is going to happen. We are all going to die. Just in case you haven't heard it. (laughs) We are, unfortunately. But, well, yeah, no, no, it's a great way to finish it. The thing is, if that is our life, and this, oh, lucky I didn't knock over anything, this is eternity. Imagine this wrapping around Baldwin, imagine going around the church, imagine going around Victoria, Australia, the world, a couple of billion, trillion, 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 infinitely times, that is eternity, and this is our life. (laughs) It seems so insignificant, doesn't it? And I don't know about you, I feel like any time when I can picture myself standing before God, I just want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. I'm craving that. But I know for a fact there's so much in this life, I'm just going to be regretful that I lived for pleasure. I lived comfortably. I didn't push myself. I didn't love the least of these. And I could have. I had no excuse not to. I just got comfortable. If this is our life, we really need to... Make the most of every little bit to love sincere, live genuine, and really just let our life speak Christ in many, many ways. Just going to finish with a commissioning and a blessing uh, from uh, St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, Lord, let us sow love. Where there is injury, let us bring pardon. Where there is doubt, may we bring faith. Where there is despair, may we bring hope. Lord, where there is darkness, utter darkness and sin, may we bring the light. And where there is sadness, may we bring joy. And O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, not to be understood as to understand others, as to be loved as to love others sincerely. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned as in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.